So what does the birth of a child 2,000 years ago have to do with us right here, right now, today? Well, if that was just another ordinary child born like billions of other children were, have, were born and have been born and will be born, absolutely nothing. But for many of us in this room and millions of people throughout the ages and across the world, he's not just an ordinary child. We've experienced him in very real ways in our life right here, right now. That Jesus comes to us where we are. That he is alive and we encounter him as we open our hearts. And just as 2,000 years ago there was no room for him in an end, for many of us we've made room in our hearts for him. And as he comes and takes up residence in our heart, he changes everything in our present reality. This is the story of Christmas present. Good morning, Southside. How are you? Is it just me or does this lighting make your hair look purple? Uh, so my name's Jessica Black, and I've been coming to Southside for a few short years. Um, my story, my testimony, uh, it re- I really, it's fairly new. Uh, I grew up in the North, and... Um, Having like a faith background isn't that prevalent up there, so I really didn't grow up with any kind of, um, you know, belief system or anything like that, Uh, so I just kind of did what I thought was right and thought I was a good person and everything, and um, so, you know, really, I I know I lived with a lot of fear and a lot of worry, and I kind of took everything on my own shoulders, and always thought like, oh, if I want to make something happen, I need to make it happen myself. And, and that was just how, how my brain worked. Um, it wasn't until I moved to Florida about five, six years ago, I, uh, I got a job working with uh, a bunch of other believers. Uh, the owner hired everyone he went to church with. So it was definitely a new kind of uh, group of people that I had never kind of been exposed to. So Um, You know, I got to ask a lot of questions of the people that that I worked with, and um, and then when I started dating my husband, who was also my boss, but that's neither here nor there, um, (laughs) he really really took me around and uh, got got me kind of, he would say, you know, let's go hang out at a friend's house, and it would end up being a Bible study, so he'd sneak stuff in like that. Um, just he just brought me to like really uncomfortable spaces because I didn't I didn't I mean I asked him who Jesus was I didn't even know who Jesus was like I had heard of the guy but I just didn't I didn't get it so um, you know having my husband there to kind of take me and get me exposed to all that stuff was really something I needed to do and I got to meet a lot of really great people who didn't have all the answers and that was really refreshing so um I think after that, we, I got, he played drums at a lot of different churches, so I got to really experience what kind of church I wanted to go to, and, um, and since I didn't know anything, I really liked the churches that really explained to you, like, this is the story of this guy, and this is what he did, because I just, I didn't get it. So, um, I don't know who here has Netflix. Everyone have Netflix? Okay, good. So, they have this really awesome series on there called The Bible. I started watching that, and it just started clicking for me. I was just like, oh, this is a real guy with a real story, and this really happened to him. It was really emotional and moving for me. So um, 
you know, I started to kind of buy into it more, but of course there was stuff that I was like, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know. I still had doubts, and I just kept holding on to them. And then finally one day I was just like, I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to stop and believe. I'm, I'm not going to have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. I'm just going to believe. And then that was just like a huge turning point for me. Everything changed. I, I actually felt really awful for the first few months, and I, looking back, I kind of attribute that to kind of like a pruning process. I feel like God was like, okay, you're my child now, and now we're going to get rid of this and this and this. You don't need this. You don't need this. Uh, And, you know, it really forced me to take a long, hard look at myself and what kind of person I've become and the choices I made and, and the kind of person that God wants me to be. So, and then it kind of, you know, my fear started subsiding. I stopped worrying about stuff so much, and I just had something a little bit bigger to look forward to, and a little more comforting. Um, I lost my father a few years ago, and I had not yet really accepted Jesus, but I definitely leaned on him a lot, and looking back now, um, I, I definitely know he was there, and he was comforting me, and just helping me get through all of that, because that, you know, losing a parent is never easy. Losing anyone is never easy, but, um, you know, and I get to, I get to have that comfort every day when I pray, and, and talk about my dad, and think about my dad, so, I'm just so glad that I have that in my life now, and I have, you know, I have more of a moral compass to follow, and I, I can, you know, raise my children in the church, which I didn't have, and I think it's just going to be really great for them to have somewhere, you know, some guidelines to follow <laughs> that aren't my own or my husband's. So, um, I mean, that's it. I got baptized, we got married, and, and we joined this church, and I love it. And uh, that's it. so you may be asking yourself well what sets jesus apart why would he be set apart and why would there be People like Jessica and many of us in this room who share a story about how the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago in the past changes our present. Well, the answer to that is because of the fact that he was God. That You see, there was a division between God and people. Uh, you know what it is because you felt it yourself. You felt a distance between yourself and any person that you're in a relationship with, anytime maybe somebody's done something to injure the other and there's just kind of a silence or an awkward distance that seems to exist between you, well, that exists between all of us and God. Because there's something that we've done, there's something that we've done repeatedly uh, that has caused that distance to be there. The Bible says that God's holy, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm just not that holy. Um, and even when I try to be, I mess it up on a regular basis. And so we've been separated from God. And so God himself took on flesh and came to dwell among us. We recognize that as the Christmas story. Christmas passed. Jesus was born. But he wasn't just born. He also lived and he taught and he performed miracles. and He he said things that people still remember, even if you never come to church, even if you never read your Bible. Things that we all recognize our world would be better if you did. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We, we all think the world would be better. But he, he taught us that. He didn't just say it. He, he modeled it. He demonstrated it. To the point that really at the end of his life, he even was willing to lay down his life so that we could have peace with God. That he took on himself the sins of all the world. 
And as he hung on that cross and died, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he wasn't just talking to the Roman soldiers who had executed him. I believe he was talking through all time and space. Remember that book I talked to you about that he holds in his hands? Past, present, future. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And he died. And, and you might think, well, there were lots of people who've been crucified. And, and there were a lot of people who claimed to be God, even. What sets him apart? Well, three days later, he was alive again. And the tomb was empty. And in his resurrection, we see that everything he said, everything he did, was exactly right. It was exactly true. That he wasn't just a baby born, that he was God-made flesh. That he wasn't just saying words of wisdom like many other religious leaders have said. He was actually speaking the words of God. And that when he died, he wasn't just another person dying on a cross, but it was God. God sacrificing himself for us. And he rose from the dead. And he invites us to place our faith in him. That's Jessica's story. It's my story. It's many of your story. The night before he was betrayed, he actually planted an idea with his disciples. And this idea contained the story of the past, the present, and the future. And it's called the Lord's Supper. Jesus, as he gathered around, just took some common bread and broke it. And he said, hey, this is my body broken for you. And they're kind of scratching their head thinking, well, that's kind of weird. But Jesus, you say all kinds of weird things all the time. So we'll just go with it. Because they didn't know what was about to happen. They didn't know that Jesus was about to be arrested and be crucified, even though he told them. So he was telling them something that was going to happen in their future. And then he took the cup and he said, this wine is my blood that's poured out for you. Every time you drink this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. They thought, hey, this is really strange. But they did it. And then within just a few hours, Jesus was arrested and crucified. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. And the next time those disciples were sitting at a table and they broke the bread, guess what the first thing that came into their mind was? Oh, wait a minute. Remember what he said. This is his body broken for us. And as they took the wine at that next meal, they drank the wine and they remembered, oh, remember what he said, this is his blood. And then every time the disciples got together and every time they would eat bread and every time they'd drink the wine, they would remember what Jesus did. They would celebrate the difference it was making in their life and they were looking forward to what was going to happen in the years to come. And now think about this. From that moment, from that very first Lord's Supper that Jesus served in the upper room, there has been a continual process down through the ages all the way until we gather here right now where people have taken small pieces of bread and a little bit of wine or grape juice and they remember what Jesus did. And so this morning, as part of our Christmas Eve celebration, we're going to share the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, Mass. You may call it by different things in your tradition. But for us at Southside, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to participate. Uh, you, you don't have to be a member of our church. As long as you uh, claim Jesus as your Lord, you are welcome to participate. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to come on down as we prepare to share the elements. They're going to come by and you're going to take a cup out of the tray and it will have the bread and a little bit of juice in it. And I would ask you just to hold on to that for a few minutes. Um, and after we have all had been served, we'll take it together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
said something very interesting to his disciples right as they were about to share in this meal. He said these words from Luke 22, verse 16, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it from the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. So as we take this little piece of bread and as we eat it, this is the body of Christ which is broken for you. And as we take the juice, we remember what Christ has done for us in the past, the lives he's changing right here, right now, and the hope of his return. We drink this in remembrance of him. You see, Jesus wanted his church to keep doing this so that we remember everything that he did, but he also wanted us to do it so that we'd look ahead. We'd look ahead and live with hope of his return. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come back. And that is the story of Christmas future. And it's the hope of the church in the world today. And just like people long ago waited for Jesus to come, called Advent, and the world longed for the arrival of the Messiah, so today we, the church, are waiting for his return. But listen, we're not supposed to wait, stand around doing nothing. In fact, The church is supposed to be active while we wait. We're supposed to be doing all we can to make sure that the world has heard the news. Just like those shepherds back in the first Christmas went and proclaimed to everybody the good news of the birth of Jesus, so the church today continues to proclaim the news of Jesus, that we live out as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And as we tell people the good news about Jesus, as we tell them the story of Christmas past, and as we help them experience Christmas in their own heart, We're also pointing them toward the Christmas of the future and hoping and praying with them that they'll be reserving their place at the Christmas in the future. And so people who tell the good news, people who go about in our world proclaiming the love of Jesus through their words and through their actions are telling the story of three Christmases every day. And so this morning I want to introduce to you two people who do just that, my friends Ed and Laura Walansky. Ed and Laura, come back up. Ed and Laura um, have a ministry not too far from here, just as the crow flies, a couple miles even, called the Pulse Ministry. And um, they are telling the story of Jesus, not just at Christmas time, uh, but all year long in a, a community that so desperately needs the hope of Jesus. So tell us a little bit, if you would, about the Pulse Ministry and what goes on at the Pulse. The Pulse is a faith-based walking community center for at-risk youth. All right, and so you're in an area, there are lots of apartment complexes around and lots of kids in that area. So tell us what that looks like um, on a day-to-day basis at a walk-in ministry center for the kids in that neighborhood. What, what happens? Well, we're open after school. Um, we serve them snacks and they come in and they get homework help. And uh, four nights a week we have uh, different age-appropriate, um, what they call church services. Um, sometimes it's not uh, church per se, but it might be a life lesson, um, something taught to them that's Bible-based, but it may be something that's um, of value to them in their situation, whatever that might be, and then we feed them dinner. Now, this is, uh, th- that sounds really nice and neat and organized, but uh, if any of you have been at the Pulse, you know that anytime you have kids involved, it, uh, things get messy, and not just messy in the room, but actually you guys are really engaged in their entire family lives. Can you tell us a little bit about what that ministry looks like outside of the walls of the Pulse? Um, that's a, a good question and a tough one. 
Um, so the kids we work with, the families we work with, are, are mostly all low income, uh, single parents. There are um, multiple people in the house, maybe you know, a mom with three or four kids with different fathers of the kids. Um, they often live on public assistance, so resources are tight. And they struggle with things like transportation, groceries, um, employment, substance abuse. Um, I could go on. And so the kids have a difficult life, and home is not always a safe place. So that's one of the things that we strive to make the Pulse a safe place where they know they can come with someone they can trust to talk to or to get something to eat or get answers to the questions. And you guys are seeing day in, day out, uh, year after year you've been doing this, and you've seen God do some amazing things in the lives of these kids and their families. Can you tell us just a little bit about the way God's been working and maybe uh, an example of how God's been touching some lives through the polls? <clears throat> well, it, sometimes it's hard to see it. Um, you know, we, we have the kids for a couple hours a week, um, and then they go home, and it's like one step forward, two steps back, and uh, the families are very transient. And so we may have a, a, a kid for one school year or sometimes less, and so you don't get to see a lot of time, the, the fruit of your labor. But uh, being having been doing this for eight years now, um, we've started to see some kids who have graduated and gone on to get jobs. And, um, you know, if you do ministry uh, with human beings, um, it's often very disappointing, you know, and it's a struggle. And, you know, we have this idea of how we want things to go, and they almost never go that way. Uh, but it feels good when uh, somebody who's um, been gone for two or three years, comes back and just says, you know, you, you made a difference. Awesome. And they may not be where we, you know, had imagined they could be or would be or wish they were, um, but they're a lot better off than they could be also. And we've had some young men tell us, if it weren't for you guys, probably be in jail or dead. And so, um, and that means, you know, the world to us, and it keeps us going. That's awesome. Well, uh, give them a round of applause for the work they do day in and day out. Thank you, guys. Um, it's hard work and they do a great job. And if you want to be a part of the story that they're telling in that community right here in our, right here in our own geographic area, you can be a part. Um, they're going to, Ed and Laura are going to be out. There's a pulse table out there. If you want more information about how you can get involved or you can stop by and, and talk to them. Also, if you uh, are participating in the Advent Conspiracy, there are ornaments on the tree uh, that are from the Pulse. So we would love for you to take some of those ornaments. You still have some time. Uh, you can go online. You can do it right there. And uh, your financial gifts, purchasing you know, a snack for the kids after school one day or, or some books to be used in there or a computer. There are all kinds of ornaments on the tree related to the Pulse as well as our other ministry partners. So as you're leaving today, uh, remember, we're trying to turn Christmas upside down. So stop by there, take some ornaments. Um, and I've been told on good authority that we will take your money after the first of the year as well. Uh, but the IRS will only see that money on your 2017, 2017 tax returns if it's by December 31st. So uh, we would love for you to jump in and be a part of that and you can be a part of telling this story so much. Thank you, Ed and Laura, for all your work and for your ministry in our city. Thank we you. appreciate you guys. Well, thanks again for, for being here and uh, celebrating Christmas Eve with us. Again, if you've got family or friends that weren't able to make it this morning, make sure you invite them to come back tonight. We'll have a Christmas Eve service tonight at 6 o'clock as well. So we hope that, uh, that we'll see some of your friends and family uh, there this evening.